Welcome back. You are listening to the Unity Society podcast, episode eight. I'm Jenny Randolph. And I am Dieter Randolph. And I think as we gather around, we might as well talk about Valentine's Day because it just happened. We can we can do that. And how, I say, how, was, how was your Valentine's well, Day? Well, I was with you, so it was great, of course. But I don't know. It's one of those things where in our family, there have been times when there is like a hurricane and a whole bunch of people have to be under the same roof because of evacuation. Or it's a trip when you're a teenager and you don't really want to go with your family because you're in that time frame where you're convinced that your real family is working for the government on some kind of spy mission and you've been given this pretend family. There's a phrase we call FFF, forced family fun. Mm-hmm. And it just it, the, the artificiality of it never leads to happiness, right? And so sometimes I feel like manufactured holidays, we call them Hallmark holidays, remind me of that forced family fun where it's like, I love celebrating things and love is a big deal for us. But on the other hand, I have mixed feelings about Valentine's Day. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I'm not a big Valentine's Day person. I love the sentiment. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way it's executed. Well, and nobody minds chocolate. No, but chocolate is good every day. We've, we've already <laughs> talked about Cho chocolate on one of these past episodes. If you haven't tasted it yet, go out and get yourself some Cho chocolate. And you're married to me, so there's chocolate and flowers on a pretty regular basis. You're very good. Here. Yeah, you're very good about it. But, so, I don't know. I I also think, you know, I always watch our, our teenagers that we sponsor, and if they don't have somebody and there's mm. pressure to have, you know, and I, my heart just always, I'm like, oh. It just breaks for them sometimes. There's so much pressure sometime. to couple up. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I get it. And the thing that, that you brought out, because we didn't go out that evening because I was teaching a prosperity class that evening, but we went out for lunch that day, and we were talking a little bit about it. And I remember you said something that really stuck out for me that, you know, obviously we've had a great many Valentine's Days together, but you said something that I hadn't thought of before that I guess we hadn't really talked about, and that is that the way that Valentine's Day is marketed reminded you and now (laughs) reminds me of sort of that transactional relationship where it's if i give you stuff then you owe me then you'll and owe me you know and so that's (laughs) owe me with raised eyebrows (laughs) but so i'm not wild about valentine's day i never knew why and i have a better feeling about why however if you're listening to this, I sure hope you had a great Valentine's Day because no matter what the, the picky yoon stuff about it is, at the end of the day, it's an opportunity to celebrate love. And I hope that you did that on Tuesday, but I hope that you do that every day because that's really the secret to a lot of stuff. And expanding that idea past romantic love, as wonderful as that is, uh, into the idea of universal unity that Charles and Myrtle talked about, the idea that we're all part of the same thing and it's not just subject-object. But it's you and me and the divine are part of something. And if you can see that, and if it starts with flowers and candy, you know what? So be it. Well, speaking of that universal sort of love that you were just talking about, I've made a decision that I am going to only purchase and put my money into buying things that are Mm cruelty-free, things that don't test on animals. Now, I have done that a lot. I think that we've we've pared down a little bit over the years every time we figure something else out like our laundry detergent or our hand soap and there's companies that we like to use and and things of that nature but I haven't really and I don't know why I haven't done it or it just didn't occur to me until now but I've just recently started making the decision to only buy cruelty-free makeup. And that also means, you know, not only is it not tested on animals, and generally speaking, I do go for the makeup brands that tend to not test on animals, but it kind of goes a little bit further into it because some companies, they'll say, yeah, we don't test the finished product on the animals, but we can't guarantee that the products 
the ingredients wow. itself can't be I didn't know that yeah so it's really kind you have to dig really deep to find the information so you're committing to do that archaeology I really am and there are some companies that are just so so good about it and there are some companies that are really really not and the decision that I'm facing right now is for example there are companies that were independent companies and they started making really uh, really good products and all of that and then somebody a bigger corporation like mm. L'Oreal and Estee Lauder are like the biggest offenders of um, non-cruelty-free makeup but they own smaller companies now um, in order that, to cut costs or right. whatever they I get it I get right. it right so the question is now do because obviously that's money in their pocket because they now own but to their credit they are keeping the independent companies that they have bought they are allowing them to remain cruelty free they're not saying that you have to do that and yet they're still getting the money that you're paying for those products that the use of the independent companies so you're saying you'll buy you even if the product is cruelty free through and through if that money goes up to a parenting parent company that is not cruelty free you still won't that's what I'm trying to do and it's, wow. and at this point it's very difficult because like I said there are a couple of really large companies that are just monopolies that do it and if anybody you know is around me they know that my makeup sash is extensive but <laughs> I've started uncluttering all of the stuff yeah, that is, is not I've been giving it to all my teen girls and giving it to girlfriends that I think can use it and so I'm trying to get in the habit of not using the product so I'm not sad when they run out because <laughs> I have to say there are some very good products that I'm getting rid of and that I will not repurchase mm. so it's it's one of those so it is a question do you tell the parent companies that I only will buy this brand because it's cruelty free and and still remain to buy those products or do you say nope that's money in the pocket of companies that test on animals and that are not cruelty free mm, I don't know I think I think my gut is to go hardcore better hey I'm right there say, with you better say, hardcore than than nothing yeah. I think that it's it's a really important thing to vote with your dollars and I love your spirit of just really taking it all the way. A lot of people don't do that. And in this day and age, there's so many companies that own other companies that participate in this and that and the other. I think it's incumbent upon us as consumers to do what we can. You can't always. But if you can do the research and find out, yeah, man, I think you ought to do it. I, I'm all in favor. They make it really hard to find well, information. They, they really, really do. And like I said, I'm a makeup junkie. I, I think I might have a problem. <laughs> I mean, I have probably... That is a very attractive support group. Yes. Well, hello. <laughs> it's not uh, It's not unpleasant to be around people like us. I love the spirit of getting done with and sort of... We're coming into... I mean, for us in Florida, it's not cold anymore. But we're coming into the sense of spring cleaning. Middle of February, looking forward to spring and that sort of thing. So for me, one of the things, and I've talked about it before, but one of the things that I'm really trying to get done with is idle phone time. In other words, you know, sitting on the couch when there's a movie on or at dinner, picking up the telephone. And I am so honored to be with such beautiful, brilliant people all the time. There's no comparison. Facebook or, or whatever can't offer me anything different. But it's it's one of those things. I think that everybody wants to be needed a little bit. And so that little serotonin hit of, oh, somebody needs me to say something that you get from your phone. Very challenging thing. But I've been putting my phone away. And so my thing is finding things to do with my hands. Fidget stuff, you know. And uh, I found out that there's this... Uh, there's this group of people that are dedicated to developing fidget toys and there's a whole genre don't google it it'll make you crazy but i found that there's this the old uh, tradition of uh, greek prayer beads that people swing around and you can if you go to greece you'll see cab drivers waiting to pick up their fares who have these prayer beads and you swing them around and it's a little bit like a yo-yo that kind of a nerdy thing and you can look this up. They're called Begleri, B-E-G-L-E-R-I. And as you know, I made some. 
Yes, you did. And mostly it involves me dropping them and throwing them across the house. I was actually on the phone the other day and I was fiddling around with them and I, I inadvertently threw them across the room and said a swear word that the person on the other end of the line didn't know why I said. So it was interesting. They had a little momentary Tourette's. But it's, it's, that's been an obsession with me. Oh, I know. I, you, you have graduated from the no phone, which I don't know that it was like the starter fidgeter. But you can't play with it that much. You it's can't cool. because it's a block of wood. I mean, that's or a block of plastic, I guess, is yeah. what it is. I have um, been scared that you're going to crack a tile in the kitchen. I saw you come inches away from a vase um, and as they flew across the room. I have... Um, I know that I'm going to get hit in the head with them some someday. You're going to be sitting by me on the couch. They'll fling off. I know that... Listen, you're living in an episode of The Family Guy where Peter Griffin is a preacher. Don't even worry about it. It's going to be okay. But the good news is it's a fun thing to play with. I want to dig in today on something that comes up a lot. And that is this, the way that Unity deals with medicine. I mean, think about it. Unity started as a healing movement. Go pick up a copy of a book called The Story of Unity. It's incredible. It's so much fun to look at the history of that. I actually wrote an article about the book on Unity Society a few months ago. You'll read that Unity began because Myrtle Fillmore experienced an incredible healing demonstration. And you need to know about this. I'm not going to talk about it right now. But the point is she got healed. And it was such a profound thing that other people gathered around her to talk about their healing and work on that. And other people got healed. That says two things. First of all, unity is a movement of demonstration. If all that's happening for you is you're sitting and talking about good ideas, that's not good enough. We're here to make a difference in the world, and it starts with our own upliftment, healing, empowerment, and so on. So anyway, unity is a healing movement, and we believe that life with a capital L is natural, that healing happens when you just get out of the way and let God do what God is supposed to do. That's a really beautiful thing. But if you believe that, the question comes, what do you do about you know, going to the doctor, taking an aspirin. What is the balance there? And this is something that comes up an awful lot. And it's so funny because unity appeals to a group of people who might be anti-mainstream medicine. So if you were to go to a unity church and say, oh, I went to the doctor the other day, somebody in that room might go, oh, you went to the, the mainstream doctor? You know, and so the question comes up. What do Unity people do about it? Is it okay to take a pill? How does it work? Well, you've dated yourself by saying take an aspirin. Take a bufferin. No, not, no. No. Say Tylenol. Don't say aspirin. Aspirin, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. But anyway, I woke up with just the worst headache this morning. It was right behind my eyes and just did not want to get out of bed, didn't want to do anything, knew that I had to go take something immediately so that it wouldn't get any worse. I knew I had to get some caffeine in me and that's just what goes on. You know, you get some water, you drink some caffeine and you take some Advil and that's, that's what I do. And every once in a while you do, you wake up for, with a headache. So for me, it doesn't really matter the method that you're using, not really. I think whatever works for you, I'm sure that there's other people that have headaches in the world that do something completely different than me and end up not having a headache. Sometimes maybe it's just time, maybe it's just rest, who knows. I think I'm sure there's a bazillion answers out there to, you know, how to cure a headache, just like there are how to cure a cold. Mm -hmm. But it reminds me of when the kids were little. And Raina would suffer from chronic ear infections. And this was when she was probably about two years old to the time she was three years old. Just one ear infection right after another, right after another. And we were taking her to the pediatrician and we couldn't figure it out and her fever would skyrocket. And then if anybody's had little ones, they know exactly what, what happens when they get sick. And 
but she would get well and we'd do the antibiotics and then we'd go right and then a couple of weeks would be okay and then we'd go right back into the scenario. Oh, I remember. And then somebody suggested that we take her to a chiropractor. And the only reason I was really okay with that was because we had exhausted other resources and they were getting ready to have to put tubes in her ears for her to go into an operation. And I just didn't want her to go through that if that wasn't completely necessary. So I thought, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to take her. We're going to just see how this works. So we took her into the chiropractor and she got adjusted. And 15 minutes after her adjustment, her fever broke and she fell asleep and she slept for hours. And we were able to get the ear infections under control. Fast forward a couple years when Miles is born, ear infections, colds, happen. I thought, oh my goodness, we had found the holy grail. We are going <laughs> right to get the kids to this. Oh exactly. yeah, I remember. Right to the- he did not respond at all to chiropractic. Zero. It mostly just irritated him. But the way that Miles responded to was really natural foods, a little bit of medicine, a little bit of you know, Advil or Tylenol or whatever we had, you know, that was prescribed by the doctor and sleep. He would just go to sleep and he would just sleep it off. And that's how he dealt with it. So I don't think that there is ever one uniform way, even with our, in our family, there's not just one way that each of us deals with anything because obviously we're all different physiologically we're all different mentally, we're all different spiritually, and so I think you have to take all of those factors into how you approach your healing. I think that it is really, really, really important to have a clear understanding of what you believe in. I think that that's very important. However, I think that it's also important to be careful if someone is trying to tell you that there is a set of actions you have to take. I think that it's important to say, this is where I'm at, this is what my heart tells me, this is how I think and feel, this is what's going on inside of me. But you can't always know the right thing to do on the outside based on that because everything in the outer is in flux and it is entirely appropriate to not have a set of rules about what your beliefs need to look like in any particular moment. I am less interested in uh, a method and more interested in the ideas behind it. So let me back up. Here's the unity statement. Shall we call everything good? Yes. I'm going to say it again. Shall we call everything good? Yes. We have to believe, if there is one presence and one power, we have to believe that all of it, whether or not it's in a lab coat, all of it is a manifestation of that one and only good. So, here's the thing. If you get a splinter, this is the example we always use, if you get a splinter, of course you can pray about it. And we have to believe that that prayer will work. However, it may be more expedient in your situation to grab the tweezers and get on with your life. Our way shower walked on water. Does that mean it's wrong to take a boat? I think that it's really important, just as there's different things that worked with our children, I think that it's really important to get past one particular set of practices and get on to what's going to get me further along my path so that I can keep working on this. I think that the trick is in that word blessing, shall we bless everything? So in other words, take the pill if you need to take the pill and move on from that instead of walking around cursing your current health, cursing the opportunities that present themselves. This goes back to the old two boats and a helicopter joke that I'm not going to tell now. Google is your friend if you don't know the joke, but it centers around, I am only going to accept my good if it comes through a specifically prescribed angle, an avenue. I think that it is really important to take this opportunity to go, maybe the universe is trying to tell me to broaden my horizons. Because more real than any particular modality that you happen to subscribe to, if you are internalizing fear and duality, you're going to end up doing yourself more harm than any good of any particular method can do you. 
Let us instead be the kind of people that can say, you know what? There is good and life and love and spirit. There is God happening in those tweezers. That pill, that Advil, let's say, is a solidified affirmation and I'm going to bless it. And just like every other material thing, it is not going to define me. And I want to get to a place where I'm not thinking about the healing part. Rather, I want to be the kind of person who doesn't experience the headaches in the first place. Mainstream medicine would say, okay, take all of these pills, do this, and then these pills are going to give you this symptom, and then we'll give you another pill to treat this symptom, sure. and, I, and so on and so forth. And I think that that's what people react to. But I don't think that scenario happens very often. I think when it does happen, I think that you're in an extreme situation and something has got to go on for you and you need to figure out an answer. Like for you and me, it's like every once in a while, it's like, okay, you need to take more iron. You need to take more B12. You need right. to, you know, you need to just fix a couple of things and go on your way. Maybe the person that has to take the pill doesn't see the pill as themselves. But if somebody's carrying, you know, 15 crystals around their neck or doing all kinds of different healing stuff, that becomes very much a part of a practice that they do. Yeah, they identify with it. They, That's true. Yeah. And, and I don't know, as I'm sitting here, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not judging. Do whatever works the best for you. But if we're saying that don't get caught up in the system that you're using, I think that new age healing techniques probably offend that more than traditional medicine practices. Well, because it's it's not the thing. It's not the outer practice possession situation. It's never the outer thing. It's always the idea that we need to work on. Let me let me paint a picture. It is absolutely the case that there are people in the world who are let's say not taking very good care of themselves physically. And so you go to the doctor and you say, I am having a bad time. And the doctor says, take these pills. Instead of the doctor saying, well, you know, you wouldn't have to take those pills if you took better care of yourself. Now, that's not everybody. I'm not making a generalization, but there are certainly people like that. And it is easy to say that we live in a society that's pretty over-medicated. Agreed. But the Agreed. problem... The problem is not the pills. The problem is the attitude that says, this thing outside of me can fix me. When the real fix is change the way you treat yourself in the first place, which really means change the way you think about yourself. If you could change that mindset, you would treat yourself differently and different things would happen. The problem, the irritation, as you put it, is the idea that something outside of me can fix me or tell me who I am. And you see that problem in quote-unquote mainstream medicine all the time, sure. But you also see the same problem in quote-unquote alternative medicine. I got to tell you, it doesn't matter to me whether you got your cure from the pharmacy or whether you got your cure from a holistic bookstore. Either way, if the thinking is, I don't have the good, the life, the truth, the healing in me. I have it outside of me somewhere. Either way, I am limiting myself. Now, we're not going to curse that. We're going to say, let's get to the place where we get over it. Just as you said, and I think you're dead on, just as you said, let us make sure that we're not having the quote-unquote cure be a permanent part of who we are. It is so easy to get wrapped up in a modality that we then need. I can only feel healthy if I follow this specific practice, if I do this hokey pokey and turn myself around. Uh, 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 Steve Martin, almost said Charles Fillmore, Steve Martin's got that thing. I wouldn't believe in anything if it weren't for my lucky astrology mood watch. And it's a silly joke, but there are people like that. And I feel for that because you're never going to get to where you want to go if you require something outside of yourself. On a certain level, Western healing, Eastern healing, Southern, Northern, whatever point on the compass healing isn't any different to me. And on a very fundamental level, it doesn't matter if you believe in energy healing or if you believe in pharmaceutical healing. 
Either way, you're talking about something outside of you, something material that is influencing me. And the healing that is permanent, the healing that we are looking for is a spiritual, not material pursuit. And so if it distracts you from a spiritual understanding, it is going to limit you. If you need to get it out of the way, like the tweezers, so that you can focus, so be it. It is the case that if I took a boat to get to church instead of walking on water, that's not unity. The material thing is not unity. The energy healing and the crystals, that's not unity. The Advil is not unity. But I'm not here to judge that because you know what? If I have a headache and I take a pill, so be it. That's not the unity part. The problem is if I start teaching Advil on Sunday morning. And so I think it's important to be very clear. We're not going to judge whatever healing method you need to do. If you get an owie and you need to put a Band-Aid on it, awesome. We're going to bless it. It's not the best way to do things. We're looking for a spiritual cure. But if that's where you are, then that's where you are. Let us get to a place where we're looking for blessing over method. How did you get to where you are? Great. Doesn't matter. You're here now. If you came to a spiritual understanding by having a special medallion that you wear, so be it. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in the fact that you're here now. Let's move on. Well, don't you think it just comes down to faith? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's like I have faith that the Advil works for my headache, that the caffeine will help me with it. And if I didn't really have faith in it, I don't think it would work. But I've been shown that it works for me. I have been through that process. And so, yeah, okay, cool. And I, you know, when you hear, okay, the doctor said, okay, and you choose to believe whoever you're going to believe, but it ultimately comes down to faith, which brings up another interesting question. And I don't know if we want to delve too deep into this because I think it might be another, another segment that we do another time, but what about healing others? That's the thing. That's because it has to come down to faith because you cannot have a healing if you don't have faith in the method that you're using. Right. Or in that other person or in that practice. And once again, this is something that we go back to a lot because it speaks to freedom. There were people who hung around Jesus and didn't get it. And there were people who did get healed with you know by being around Jesus. And Jesus was always very careful to say, your faith is what did this. No material thing, no special garment, no special anything, but your faith, your willingness to perceive something invisible that shapes the substance of the visible. That's what faith is. Charles Fillmore says, faith is the perceiving power of mind linked with the power to shape substance. That's what we're talking about. Well, you brought up Steve Martin and that made me think of the movie Leap of Faith. That's what led me to thinking about the healing of other people. And if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. It's really great. It's awesome. But he has that wonderful line in there. I'll just give you a little bit of it because he's a con artist. Mm. Oh, that is a great movie. Yeah, Steve Martin, Steve Martin plays kind of a con artist minister that travels and does these tent revivals and goes in and does these quote-unquote healings for people. And through the movie, he meets somebody that actually has the ability to heal. And the quote is something like, help me out because you're better at quotes here. The something is like, con artists run... A con artist recognizes the real thing, and they stay away from it. I can't remember the quote either. I can't either, remember but that's, the quote either, yeah, but yeah, I know that's, the, that's, the, that's the sentiment, is yeah. that you know when the real thing comes along, and you can't deny it, and if you're trying to fake it, it's not going to work. Well, and here's, here's the thing I want to say about all of that. I think that it is very important that as Unity people, we're very clear on this is what unity is here to do. Here's what unity says about that. We are interested in a cure 
that comes from within as a result of a spiritual realization, not an intellectual one necessarily, a spiritual realization. It's important to say that. It's something that Charles Fillmore said over and over again in a very early issue of Modern Thought magazine. Back in the early days of this, Charles Fillmore put out a, a little piece that said, you know what, we're not going to advertise uh, spirit mediums and he would have said crystals if they'd had crystals at that point. And he, the, the article says basically, we don't curse any of that, but we just feel like we need to be clear about what we're doing. We bless all of it, but this is unity and this is not, so be it. Once again, I think we do need to be very clear about it, but I also think we need to not curse anything. There are unity churches that have stuff going on in them that is not unity. But you know what? AA isn't really unity, but that's okay because it is a healing modality that has helped a whole lot of people. We're not here to judge that. I'm, I want to be very clear. I don't want to do anything that's going to get in the way of people being around the real thing. And different churches have different points of view. There are some unity churches that say, nope, it is only stuff that Charles and Myrtle Fillmore and Dr. H. Emily Cady talked about. That's the only thing that's going to go on here. And there are other churches that have a broad range of speakers and teachers and healers and all kinds of different stuff going on. And there are pros and cons to both approaches. I tend to be more on the fundamentalist side of all of that. But either way, I want us as unity people to be the kind of people that say, we're going to bless all of it because all of it will lead to something better. The thing that we say over and over again in all kinds of different ways is faith in anything will heal because it's faith. So let us be the kind of people who bless that moment of faith because in the blessing, we lead ourselves to greater demonstrations, greater realizations. Let me put the second part on that. Faith in anything will heal because it's faith, but sooner or later, you're going to bump up against the fundamental paradigm of that faith. That's a lot, so let me say that differently. If your faith is in a distant, angry God, let's say, you can get a certain amount of growth from that, but sooner or later, you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that if God doesn't like me so much, what does that say? And you will have a diminished capacity for miracles. Similarly, if you have faith in some kind of magic rock, your faith will lead you somewhere. SpongeBob, magic conch. <laughs> magic conch shell. And it will lead you to some kind of a realization. But on the other hand, it will also lead you to the limitations of that material object. Nothing outside of you can permanently heal you, which is why people who are excited about material cures always have another material cure. Oh, I used to be into that and now I'm into this. That actually episode of SpongeBob is a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, really think about it because Patrick and SpongeBob believe in the magic conch shell and Squidward doesn't and then he tries to fake believing in the magic conch shell and that doesn't work either. You can't fake you this. You can't fake it. And I've been I've been reading the the book of Jonah a lot and there's some really neat things in there. I want to do a whole I don't know if it's going to be an article or a Sunday lesson or something about it. It's but, a good book. Well, I've always loved it. It's always been near and dear to my heart, but there's some stuff in there that I hadn't really read in a, in this way before that I want to talk about some other time. But there's a piece that I have always known about. In the beginning of the story and read the read the the story. But in the beginning of the story Jonah is supposed to go to a certain place that God wants him to go to and he doesn't do it. And he goes on a boat to go in another direction. And the there's a storm. The Bible says God creates a storm. And the sailors on the boat who are not interested in our concept of God and the Judeo-Christian God, but they're pagans. They've got a whole bunch of different gods. they got all kinds of rituals that they do. They do their ritual. They cast lots to determine who's the problem. And it works. Mm -hmm. And they find out that it's Jonah, Jonah. that's the problem. Yep. So there's a lot more to the story. But in that moment, one of the things that we're being taught in that part of scripture is whatever you do, do it faithfully and it will lead you to good answers. But then don't get hung up in the method that got you there. Let that part go. Bless that you have the ability to move through a healing. Like I said, whether it's a headache or something that's more serious, if you're working through that. But don't get caught up in the actual ritual of it. I think that's wonderful. 
Buckminster Fuller, one of my heroes, has got a book called Spaceship Earth and Operating Manual. I know it well. It's a great book. Everybody should read the book. It's a fun book. Buckminster Fuller is just a neat, neat thinker. It's great to be exposed to how his mind works, you know, that kind of thing. But in it, he references, he says, you know, if you're on a, a cruise ship and it capsizes and for some reason a piano floats to the top and you're, you grab the piano and you're rescued by this floating piano. That's beautiful. Bless that. He doesn't say bless it, but we're going to say bless it. Give thanks for that. But that doesn't mean that a piano is the best kind of boat. Right. And it's so easy to get caught up in, well, this worked for me this one time. Bless it, but be open to bigger miracles. And here's the thing that I really want to leave people with. Faith in anything will heal, and you will bump up against the limitations of that paradigm. But when you have that bump experience, don't curse yourself. This is important, and it's so important that we wrote a little bit about this in our book, Branching In. It's really easy to go, oh, well, the method isn't working. I must be doing something wrong. And sometimes maybe you are, but I think most of the time, you're not doing anything wrong. You outgrew that method, that guru. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, there's something in me. I don't have to go to some exotic location and talk to Dr. Scratch and Sniff in order to get my special healing. Instead, something broke through and now I realize that that healing opportunity is something that I've always had. And this is the universal story. It's the hero story. It's the, you could have gone home all the time, Dorothy. Stop getting hung up in somebody else, something else, being the arbiter of your growth and healing. Well, it reminds me of, you know, when I was a teenager, I would use stuff to clear up my face from like pimples and stuff like that. If I still use that face cream now, I would look tore up. It would not work for my face. Right now, I'm trying to find things that prevent wrinkles and yes and cruelty free but you know but it's it's a different experience because you bump up and you grow the outer part of us is always changing this is fundamental there is a timeless truth on the inside of you we talk about it all the time i don't need to go into it too deeply except to say your inner truth is permanent timeless unchangeable but your outer you is always changing And so this is why it's important to not get caught up in the method because it's not going to apply anymore. Get caught up in the beliefs. Be able to say, here's what I believe in, but what I do about it is going to change from moment to moment. Get caught up in the idea. Fall in love with the idea. And love is the right word. Here we are, Valentine's Day. Love is the right word because what am I going to do about my love? Well, all kinds of stuff. There's not just one thing. It's not just flowers. That's why Valentine's Day sticks in my craw because it feels so uh, ritualistic. If I follow the ritual of the flowers and the chocolate, I have conjured love. Well, it don't work that way. Love can't be made by outer things. The outer things ought to be a reflection of your love. And if you really love, you'll find yourself doing sappy, wonderful things and everything in between because you can't help it. Stop worrying about the idea. Start focusing on the love. Well, healing, everything works that same way. Get in touch with the life that is true about you. And the way that you express and experience that life will become a lot more clear. You have a question for our Listen Up segment. Yeah, this one comes from John D. So thank you, John D., for the question. And he, John D. writes, You talk about the Bible a lot, but there are a lot of people who quote the Bible to justify all kinds of bad things and rude behavior. I like that he said rude behavior. That's one way to put it. Um, why not stop reading the Bible? Well, John, this is a good question, and it's one that comes up. I think that... Uh, well, the Bible is an awesome book even if you're not on a like reading it to be spiritual it's got some beautiful stories and it's well it's got everything it's got sex drugs and rock and roll in there too it's got it's got thrills chills and adventure it's got everything as a as a literary work it's very impressive Mm -hmm. as a historical work 
you know, not that it is a, an official account of history. It is not a videotape. We understand that it's written by people and nuanced and retranslated and all of that sort of thing. I'm not saying that, but it is still a, a, a wonderful snapshot of what people were thinking and feeling at the time that the, the book was written. The books were written. So it has value in all kinds of ways. But I understand the the thought process that says, you know, people are quoting the Bible at the same time they're saying hate, fear, separation, bad stuff, and I don't even want to play. I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to have that in common. I really, really get that. Sure. And I get it on a fundamental level because when I tell people I'm a preacher... Well, when we say that we're Christian... Yeah, there is an eye roll that happens. Absolutely. And so I get it. Here's the thing. The Bible can be read all kinds of different ways and quoted all kinds of different ways. We know this. We've seen it throughout human history. It doesn't mean that the book is bad. It means I need to learn how to read it better. In Unity, we feel that the Bible is our primary textbook. In other words, it is the first place to go to figure out how you work, how life works, and all of that. But let's set that aside for just a moment. On a different level, there are people who read the Bible and talk about hate and fear. It's absolutely true. But if you're not part of that conversation... Look, we don't believe in bad guys, but it's like the bad guys win. If they're the only voice in that dialogue, then they get to speak for that. And I'm not interested in that. I'm taking it back. Or at least I'm going to participate in that conversation. But if you and I are going to dialogue, we have to be able to speak the same language. So even if I didn't love the Bible, which I do, even if I didn't, it's incumbent upon me to learn how to speak the language that you speak. It's good to know your Bible. So even if all you know it for is so that you can talk to that relative of yours who thinks you're going to hell. Bless their hearts for wanting to bless your heart. But even if all it is is so that you have a common tongue, that's good enough. But there's something more going on there. On a sociological level, the Bible is sometimes used to justify hate and fear. And if we're going to stand up in the name of love, we need to say, oh, wait a minute, that's not the only way to read that. So, okay, interpersonal, it's important. Sociological, uh, societally, it's important. Let's take it a little bit deeper. The Bible is a book about you. That's the important thing. It is Just as we said a moment ago, it is not... an accurate historical snapshot. It did not drop out of the clouds. We're not interested in getting hung up on every literal word of the Bible. I'm going to give you a couple of things here. In the Bible, Paul says, these things contain an allegory. Okay, there's that. One of my heroes is a preacher named Jay Baker. And Jay Baker's got this great little thing he has said a number of times. In fact, I liked it so much that I asked him if I could use it in a Sunday service, and he said yes. And he said, the Bible is a collection of books, like a library. Can you imagine going to a library and saying, I am going to take all of these books literally? I think it's a mistake. And I think that you can't. There are contradictory stuff in there. There's stuff that just doesn't make sense on a literal level. Well, even the way that Jesus taught, he taught by telling stories. Mm-hmm. He taught in parables. Um, duh. Does it matter if there was really a good Samaritan or if Jesus' story was about a hypothetical good Samaritan? It doesn't matter. Right. That's not the point. Now, we do believe in the historical Jesus, but that is not the most important part, as wonderful as that hero is. Jesus himself would say, the works I do, you shall do also. And he might say, look, the only thing that's different about me is I knew who I know who I am. So it's not about Jesus as the person, but rather it's about you living these ideas, doing something about it. Your faith has made you well in all of that. We believe that the Bible is the best place to look for what am I made of? How does this work? What is my relationship with the divine? I can do what it says I can do. 
This is the number one place. And, and the great teacher Emmett Fox said that every Bible should have on the cover the phrase, this means me. Let us recognize that just as you have a head and a heart and a body, the Bible has a historical dimension and the Bible has a, uh, a moral dimension. In other words, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a good moral code. That works pretty well. But more than that, it has a spiritual dimension where it's not just a story about, let's say, Noah and the ark, but rather it's a story about you. Because right in this moment, right in this moment, the universe is calling to you to say, you know what, it is time for a cleansing. It is time for the stuff that is no longer true about you to go away. And so your job, not just Noah's job in history, but your job right now is to gather the things that you want to have more of in your life, the thoughts and feelings that are true, and set aside the things that aren't true about you anymore. Just like a, a child setting aside clothing that they've outgrown, the way you used to feel about yourself, the diagnosis from a doctor, the, the condemnation from a, a well-meaning relative, whatever it is, set those things aside and preserve the things that you want to reproduce in your life, symbolized, of course, by the animals in the story. And all you've got to do is focus on what's true. And here's the lesson. God will provide the cleansing. That's what's going on in the story. And obviously there's a lot more to say. But just that little moment, wait a minute, this means me. Charles Fillmore said that the events and characters and the situations in the Bible represent ideas in, in mind, states of consciousness. If you want to learn more about the way that Unity reads the Bible, we, we need to talk about that some other time. Mm -hmm. But right now, there's a great Unity book called the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. And it's a huge book, and basically it's like a dictionary. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like a phone book. Yeah. And basically it's got every noun that you might find in the Bible and Unity's interpretation of it. Now, that's a lot. But right now, if you can get your hands on a copy, I'd love for you to buy a copy of it. But go to the Unity Church in your town. They've got a couple of copies there, I guarantee it. And just read the beginning, the, the preface, the foreword of the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. And it explains everything about why Unity reads the Bible and how we read it. It's really very beautiful. But the point is right now, you have a role to play in that conversation. Yes, there are people who use the Bible to justify nasty stuff. And they're going to keep doing it unless there is a dialogue about better ways. It may just be that you have a role to play in that ongoing conversation. And you know what? You've got stuff to learn. So do I. So does everybody. You want to learn? Pick up our primary textbook. part of the podcast where we tell you what we're up to and we like to call it check it out and we are up to an awful lot of things i gotta tell you on uh february 26th i'm doing the sunday service uh both the 9 30 and 11 30 service at first unity spiritual campus and that's firstunity.org on march 1st and i believe that's a wednesday we have an interview, a radio interview, with a show called Truth Transforms. And that's going to be a live show. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of the radio stations. It's part of the Unity.fm network. And we'll put up something on the website. But also, if you go to Unity.fm and look for Truth Transforms, once again, we're going to be live on uh, March the 1st. And then on March 11th, we are participating in a hunger walk in Newport Ritchie. No, I'm sorry. Scratch that. It is just Port Ritchie. I, get, I always get those two confused. And if you want more information, just let us know and you can come join us. We'd love to see you there. Yeah, look for the Unity, Unity Port Ritchie website. And actually, it's really kind of a neat story because they liked our uh, God is good, you are good, go do good, that slogan that we put on some of our t-shirts. Mm -hmm. And they're going to put it on their shirt and they asked us for permission. And of course, we said, yeah, we'd be delighted. And also, when is this hunger walk that the t-shirts are for? So we're going to go do that once again. That's March 11th. March the 19th, we're speaking at Unity of Gainesville. And then April 2nd, we are in Unity of Sebring. And April 7th through the 9th is our spring gathering, and we've talked about that, and we'll put up more about that. But if you go to events.iamunity.org, let me say that again, events.iamunity.org. 
org. you can find out a little bit more about the Spring Gap. And then we'll be at Unity of Sarasota on April 23rd. And all of these events, if you go to unitysociety.com slash events, you can find out details and links and all kinds of goodies about what we're up to and that sort of thing. And by the way, if you'd like us to come speak at your center or in your town or whatever, use the contact form on Unity Society or just drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can always follow us on social media. And by that, I mean our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, and they are all at the Unity Society. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram, which is Jenny A. Randolph. My personal Instagram is Dieter underscore Randolph. I'm on Twitter at, at Dieter. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect with you. We really want to know what you want to know. So, uh, Dieter. Let's wrap it up. There is a timeless beauty, an impenetrable truth, an unstoppable love inside of you. It is the truth with a capital T about you. It never changes. And the more we get in touch with that, the the better we feel, the better our life works, the more that we prosper. Whatever you need to do to get in touch with that, do it. It doesn't matter what it is. Just be open to growth. What you hear on Sunday morning isn't unity. It's a path to unity. Your unity. I can't teach you unity. If I'm doing my job, I can teach you the way to unity. But unity isn't me. Unity isn't the building. Unity isn't a collection of buildings in Kansas City even, or a set of books, no matter how wonderful. Unity is what you and me do as unity people. You our unity. So do your best to find that unity, that oneness with that timeless truth. Whatever you need to do to get there, do it. But don't get caught up in the methodology. Get caught up in the blessing. Along the way, find books like the Bible that make sense to you, that help you figure out who you are. But keep learning. Keep growing. Move forward in faith, in peace, and on purpose. And everything else will work out. The Unity Society podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios. And our amazing sound engineer and one half of the musicians you hear in this music is the uh, handsome and strong Raina Randolph. And the other half of the music is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. We are so honored to be their parents and their friends and just to be on this journey with them. This podcast is supported solely by you. And what that means is, well, you're supporting us. And the way you support us is tell your friends, write a good review, go wherever you encounter this podcast, whether it's unitysociety.com or SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Play or any one of a bunch of other places that you can find this podcast, go to that place and send a link to all of your friends. Go like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash theunitysociety. Go write a good review of us on iTunes or wherever you encounter this podcast. It really helps us to do the job that we're doing. We're so glad that we're on this journey with you.